0: Welcome to Share Public Health, the Midwestern Public Health Training Center's podcast connecting you to public health topics, issues, and colleagues throughout our region and the country, highlighting that we all share in public health. Thank you for tuning into this series focusing on COVID-19 and its impacts on our region of Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas.
1: Darren Vodruddin is a third-generation dairy farmer who is very active with Farmers Union on local, state, and national levels, earning several awards for member recruitment. He and his wife, Joanne, have two children. He is president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union Board of Directors and the Wisconsin Farmers Union Foundation. He also serves on the National Farmers Union Board and is chair of the National Farmers Union Membership Committee. Uh, We've asked Darren to talk to us today about... COVID-19 and its effects on dairy farmers. So in a previous episode of Share Public Health, we talked about meatpacking plants and how and why workers there are at high risk of COVID-19. Today, we're gonna talk about dairy farmers and their industry. Darren, can you start out by giving us an overview of what it's like to be a dairy farmer right now?
2: Well, you know, we're certainly in interesting times you know, with the whole COVID-19 issue. As a small family farm, we don't necessarily have to deal with issues of employees coming in that could possibly contaminate the workplace or bring the virus in. But we certainly have a lot of friends and neighbors in the dairy business that are in that situation. And, and you know, it's it's a, a struggle because, uh, you know, in the business that we're in, with the Larger you get, the the more people contact you have. You know, a small family farm like our our own, um, it's really easy to isolate because we do all the work by ourselves. So we don't have you know ten or fifteen or twenty people coming in the farm on a daily basis. And so the isolation issue is you know kind of normal for dairy farmers, uh, especially smaller dairy farmers. But when you look at you know, we also like to socialize too. So if you're not able to do anything on weekends or, or even weeknights after the, the farming chores get done, um, you know, that does start to take a, a toll on the, the mental health and, the, you know, just the physical well-being of farmers out in the countryside.
1: Do you know or what are you hearing from the folks who run larger operations about how they're dealing with social distancing when they have to have a lot of employees coming in?
2: So, you know, they've uh, tried to make sure that they're keeping uh, families together uh, versus having, you know, a husband work one shift and a wife work another shift, have them both work, uh, you know, the same shift. So they're not uh, bringing in uh, multiple families, trying to keep it as few families uh, coming in as possible. So that way they're working together, going home together, and not contaminating, you know, another uh, family or another individual. And so it's really a, a question of timing and then you know with schools out how are the kids being taken care of and uh, you know one thing about the hispanic community they seem to have figured out a a way to make sure that uh, they're watching out for each other and then trying to make sure they're having as few contacts as possible
1: that's interesting we've heard of similar scheduling solutions and other industry as well on the news and in conversation. So it's interesting to hear that the same kind of solutions are being found in uh, in farming.
2: Yeah.
1: Many small family dairy farms, and it sounds like you have a, a small family dairy farm, have just one or two people or maybe just a, a small number of people who are milking the cows and doing the farm chores. Do you know of any farmers who have had COVID-19 and not been able to work?
2: You know, at this time, I do not know of any, which is, uh, you know, let's knock on wood and hopefully that'll continue to be the way, uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that, you know, with our our isolation that we do on a daily basis as small producers, uh, you know, hopefully we won't get in that contact, but, but we do have to run the town after, you know, feed for the cows, uh, minerals, uh, and just everyday supplies that you need, uh, so there is some of that contact. But we, you know, I haven't personally um, talked with other board members with Wisconsin Union too that have not uh, been able to identify any farmers that have uh, uh, contracted the virus at all.
1: That's great. Have you talked about if a farmer does have COVID and isn't able to do their chores, how the community would respond?
2: yeah you know it's i think it's kind of like any other natural disaster you know if a farmer neighbor has a a barn fire or loses a building or or even loses a family member um you know to a farm accident or just a natural death uh, you know the neighbors go and help other neighbors out and i'm sure that would be the same situation with COVID 19 and and you know just making sure that if there is that situation that you follow the proper protocols of, you know, mask and gloves and make sure you wash your hands and try to eliminate as many factors as you can to contract it yourself. One thing with smaller family farms, uh, you know, we, we like to do all the work ourselves. So a lot of times neighbors don't know how to do the work on your farm. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, every farm's just a little bit different. So it would still take some contact and some help from the, the farmer that is contracted. Um, the, the disease, but uh, you know, at this point, and knock on wood, that uh, you know, I don't know anybody personally yet, and hopefully, it'll stay that way.
1: Yeah, that's great. Being a farmer is a really unique situation. You're very well set up for isolation, which is great in a in a situation like this. And from what I've seen in my experience, farming communities are very close knit and really help each other out. So you're also very well set up to step in if if someone needs help. So that's a really unique environment to be in. And I think it says a lot about the strengths of farming. So we've heard stories and seen stories on the news about farmers having to dump their milk. Can you explain why this is happening and how we might be able to avoid it?
2: So one of the issues is really timing. Normally uh, March, April, May are the highest uh, producing months of the year across the nation. So with COVID-19 hitting at the time it did, we were probably in a situation where we might have to dump some milk, but it was gonna be you know small quantities versus what actually had to be dumped. Uh, the biggest issue was really the the processing sector didn't have the capacity to handle all of the milk with the cancellation of orders. So with schools closing, restaurants closing, all those orders all of a sudden were not needed at all. And then in some situations, it actually was that the plants, uh, because of becoming so um, uh, specialized in what they do, uh, you know, they just produce for hotels and restaurants. They weren't able to reconfigure their packaging to be able to get to the normal regular consumer. So those plants really weren't taking on anything. Other plants that were able to do some other kinds of products than what they normally do simply didn't have contracts because of the schools being closed and the restaurants being closed
1: right at the very beginning you said that supply is highest in march april and may why is that
2: well um, in the dairy industry we know it as the spring flush so back many many years ago uh, most farmers uh, would breed their animals so they would calve in february march april um, and then that's usually the first three months of their production for the year is their highest producing months. so uh, and and the reason farmers did that back then was because you looked at spring pasture coming on. Um, so if weather's really good you can get the cattle out in March, but usually it's April or first part of May before cows can get out on pasture and then you have the fresh green grass growing, which gives them more milk uh, production too. They've got uh, the the higher nutrient dense uh, plants that they're eating. And so they just naturally produce more food. So that breeding cycle is really kind of hard to break, even though a lot of farms now are in a year round production cycle. We still have um, those months of March, April and May are our highest producing months yet.
1: That makes complete sense, but I had never considered that. Yeah, the timing of that with COVID hitting the US right at that time has some compounding challenges. You mentioned the processing facilities might be set up to do one kind of product and not another, which is interesting when we think about one of the tensions we've been seeing around supply and hunger. So we see lines at food banks are really long, and grocery stores don't have any milk on the shelves, but then we see stories about farmers dumping milk. And one of the reasons I've seen for that is if a line is set to do the little teeny tiny butter packets that restaurants order, you can't just turn that into a gallon of milk. So can you explain a little bit about how milk and milk products get to consumers and why we have this tension of increased demand right now, but this but we're still seeing milk being dumped at times.
2: Yeah so you know it all boils down to you know really the processing mechanisms Um, you know the cows produce the same amount of milk on a daily basis uh, around the country Uh, then the milk haulers come and get the milk and take it to the processing facilities and then the processors depending on who they are some smaller cooperatives have a variety of uh, dairy products that they make, like hard cheeses, yogurt, cottage cheese, um, cheese curds, uh, butter, and then maybe some fluid. A lot of your cheese plants in Wisconsin, though, they they specialize in cheese. And over the last 15, 20 years, the the dairy industry and really all of agriculture has moved towards more specializations. So we're going to specialize in butter. We're going to specialize in Colby cheese or we're going to specialize in cheese curds so the plants are are set up to be more efficient um, which the majority of them are but when you come to a time like the covid 19 crisis in march and april when we all of a sudden have a a change in the the consumer appetite uh, we're not set up to move to that direction in a hurry so like you said if you know a plant set up for the small but one uh, patties for restaurants um, they can't just convert to one pound blocks of butter overnight. It takes, uh, you know, different equipment to do that. And, and so every plant is really maxing out their production uh, pretty much year round right now. Um, and so when you looked at even like a gallon of milk, uh, you know, grocery stores did run out of those, uh, you know, it, it would have been nice if there would have been a way for the industry to figure out how to get the, the cardboard boxes or the, 12 ounce uh, pints of milk into a container to sell to the consumer for the same price as a gallon of milk or maybe a little bit more to cover some of those extra packaging costs but for for some reason uh, we didn't get to that point and so then there was not a need for the extra milk that was being produced at this time and and then that's where you know sorely we had to discard that milk even though there was store shelves that were empty and some families didn't get all the milk on a weekly basis that they probably would have consumed, but it was you know that transportation distribution uh, mechanism that really caused some of those shortages.
1: I'm reading a book right now that's about hyper specialization and how that really does increase efficiency and is really great in ideal conditions. But as soon as there's you know even a small thing and COVID-19 is definitely not a small thing, but even one small thing can just throw off an entire industry when different plants are that hyper-specialized.
2: Right, right, yeah.
1: So is there anything else our listeners should know about dairy farming, especially right now during, during the pandemic?
2: Well, you know, I certainly think, you know, one thing that we're we, we're we really good at and that's producing milk and that's one of the reasons why we seen the milk dumpings this year is that we've uh you know as farmers have become so efficient that what we do that we're actually overproducing uh milk right now and and it's not just this year we we've had this issue for you know maybe a couple decades already where we're just producing too much milk uh, you know and it's not just the u.s neither it's worldwide and that's one reason why we're seeing depressed uh, prices for dairy products right now at the farm level. Consumers uh, in some places, especially with COVID-19 now, uh, the consumer prices really went up, uh, you know, quite a bit compared to what the farm level price is at. So I think one of the things that as a, as a farmer that I want the consumers to know about dairy products is that it costs us so much every day to produce the milk. and to try to get us to produce milk for $0 so you can have milk for 10 cents a gallon in the in the supermarket just can't happen and you know as as an industry i think covid-19 has taught us one thing and that's we need more diversity uh you know as i've talked about some specialization and what that's done for making things more efficient uh covid-19 has certainly pointed out that those efficiencies might not always be the best thing for the system. And so, you know, I think we really need to take a new look at what's going on in agriculture and how we need to become more diversified so that we've got a a solid way to produce food, but also make sure that we've got an adequate food supply for the rest of of the people of the country and really to keep our nation strong because if we don't have a good food system, we don't have a strong
1: nation. Yeah, absolutely. So making sure that we have a strong distribution systems and, and strong farmers is really, really important. And we're seeing just how important right now. So thank you so much for sharing a bit about what you're saying with COVID-19 and more about how the dairy industry works. Thank you so much for sharing with our listeners. And I hope you have a good afternoon.
2: Well, thank you, Hannah.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Special thanks to our guests and to members of our planning committee, Rima Afifi, Anne Crotty, Paul Gilbert, Mike Conning, Hannah Schultz, and Lori Walkner. Funding for this webinar is provided by the Health Resources and Services Administration. Please see the podcast notes for an evaluation and transcript.